What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 92, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am coming off a huge winter classic. It is... And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's coming off the big college football playoff. Frank, I messed up the intro again. What's up? Uh, Not much. LSU dominating performance in their bowl game, scoring 63 points. That was fantastic. I'm wearing some new socks, too, that I really like. They got little polar bears on them. Do you low-key like when I fuck up the intro like that? Do I like it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think about it. Like, I don't sit there and like, hell yeah, he messed up. <laughs> I feel like people. I don't go to bed saying, yeah, Vinny messed up the podcast this morning. That's funny. I mean, I didn't mess up the podcast. I messed up the intro, though. The rest of the podcast is going to be fine. I had to rush back here to be here on time. So I'm kind of like all flustered up. I was getting my notes ready to go. And I wanted to say, and I'm coming off a huge winter classic Bruins victory. And this right here, this been, I messed up. It happens. This is live TV. It happens. It's live. People who record their uh, their podcasts early, they can go back and edit that stuff. So it happens to literally everyone. Skyler, happy new year to you. New year, sir. Um, Yeah. I mean, we got plenty of takes coming up and another year of bad takes from Frankie. Awesome takes from me. Yeah. Frankie's got a couple takes that are going to roll over from 2022 (laughs) that, uh, aren't going to look so good by the end of 2023. I mean, I'm sitting there watching the Buffalo Sabres versus Washington Capitals game yesterday. And we're going to get to that game in a minute, but I'm like, Tage Thompson's hat trick was his 30th goal of the season. And it's January 3rd and Ovechkin's got 28. Those are the two guys Frankie shit on the most in the off. Like, yeah, okay. We'll get to that in a minute, but you know, the Broncos are in last place, so I'm not really one to talk too much about bad takes either. It's all right. But, they come and go. We, we each have our ups and our downs. Yeah. Skokes. Yeah. Skokes. What's going on? Happy new year to you, my friend. Um, very excited to have everybody here as a part of the show today. The thing I wanted to lead off with, though, even before we get into period number one, I did not write this down. Frankie does not know this is coming, but I want to start the show by saying some nice things about DeMar Hamlin. Obviously, those who watch football or sports in general, because you know what? These types of injuries actually have historically happened more in hockey and baseball. Then they have football because of the fact that those are the two sports that have a flying object going at 100 miles an hour or faster that have the ability to hit someone in the chest. It's a very kind of rare football injury, having a cardiac event in the middle of the game. And DeMar Hamlin, he made a a pretty solid tackle on T. Higgins, who's I would say T. Higgins is one of the top 20 wide receivers in the NFL at this point in time. He's a very good player. Um, He's Joe Burrow's number two option, obviously. I think he made a great tackle, He's and then he, like, fell down. Then he stood up and tried to walk away, and then he fell back down again. And it was just one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen watching a sport. Um, they did CPR on him while he was down, and they were able to bring him up, bring him, you know, to breathing, and they got him on a ventilator, and he was in intensive care. And I just wanted to, you know let everybody know watching this show that we care deeply about him and his family, the Buffalo Sabres organization, the NFL in total, and all the people that have come together in the sports world, all 32 NHL teams tweeted about DeMar Hamlin and sending their thoughts and prayers. So Frankie and I wanted to echo the same sentiments. Frank, what do you think? Yeah. And his symptoms are getting better. A friend of his said, um, I mean, he's still in critical condition, but 
there have been shown signs of improvement, which is good. It's going to take a while to recover from that, obviously. And as of right now, the NFL doesn't know if that game will be played or when it'll be played. But what matters the most right now is his safety. And um, obviously everybody's been praying for him. We've been praying for him. And um, hopefully he has a speedy recovery. And I, I, I don't know if he'll play football again, but I'd love to see him recover and get back there on the field. But like I said, most importantly is his health right now. And I, I hope that he gets better quickly. We were watching that game together and we quickly learned how our love of sports can melt so quickly in order to make sure that the right thing is being done for a fellow human being mm -hmm. who people think pro athletes are like, you know, just robots. And I encourage people to think about that next time you call someone trash or say that they still, like, no matter what, everyone's putting their bodies on the line. They're trying their damn best. And, you know, sometimes scary shit like this happens to put everything into perspective. And I couldn't move forward with this show and talking about sports without acknowledging a thought and a prayer for DeMar Hamlin. Very Hope well said. Hopefully he's able to, you know, get out of the ICU unit soon enough. I heard his breathing up to 50% on his own now, which is a much better improvement than 0% on his own, which was what yesterday started off like. So DeMar Hamlin and your family, uh, the charity, the goal was $2,500. Like, and now it's up over $5 million. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw Bob I Kraft. It's over six now. It might be over six now. That's a good point. And Bob Kraft donated $18,003. And uh, I believe Bob Kraft is of Jewish descent. 18 is some life number in the Jewish community. And then number three is um, Tamar Hamlin's number. All the players in the Buffalo Sabres yesterday entered the building wearing a Pray for Three shirt. So it's like, you know what? It's just so much proof in this story that's gone on here that like, don't hold grudges. Don't be an a-hole to people. You never know what's going to go down and you never know when you're going to need to be that person in need or help someone close to you in need. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow, Hamlin Stafford, uh, did a donation as well. Yeah, really? Mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of players across football did. And you know, it's all public. You can go look and see who, who sent money and stuff like that on this, Little GoFundMe. I don't, I don't know if it's technically GoFundMe, but it's like a GoFundMe for toys for kids. So hopefully that all works out in his favor and they're able to do something wonderful with this money in his name. And hopefully he's able to be good in short order. It seems like it's trending in the right direction, but we're not doctors and we're not going to play them on the Internet. So, Frank, with that, we are going to do our best to talk about sports in the way that they're meant to be, which is fun. And we are going to do that in period number one. Welcome to period one of Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 92. My name is Vinny Parisi. I'm here with Frank Mueller. Frank, the winter classic at Fenway Pack between the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Before we get talking about the game, tell me you agree with me on how beautiful this stadium looked. Well, Fenway Park's an iconic baseball field. I mean, you put anything in that, it could be a concert and it'd be beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a very beautiful venue between two iconic hockey franchises. And you put that together at Fenway Park, which isn't the first time there's been a Winter Classic there. 
but yeah, I mean, it's it's been it was pretty remarkable to see. It's anytime you could go back to a throwback of a stadium of that nature and do something, a big event, and hold it there. It's very nice to see. Absolutely. How'd the ice look? Glossy. I know your dad mentioned that. There's like a glossy film. Now, in my opinion, the weather was perfect, which made the ice. I thought the ice was going to be pretty good. Low 40s. But you got to remember, it's different when you host a venue of a hockey game outside because you still have the factors of the sun. Even if it's 40 degrees, the sun still has power to melt the ice. It doesn't have to be 80 degrees to impact the way the ice is. And according to Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchek, I thought they mentioned something about how the ice could be better. It wasn't that good, and I was kind of shocked to hear that because, for me, it looked pretty good seeing the stadium series and winter classics of the past when there have been buildups of snow on the ice, and that's bad. So I thought this was pretty good, but obviously it could have been a little bit better, but it was the ice was beautiful aesthetically. I couldn't agree more from a visuals point of view. I think they nailed everything. The logo in the middle, all the paint. It was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sheet of ice. I don't know if you were paying attention or if you were getting food or whatnot during the first intermission, but Charlie Coyle did talk during the intermission and he basically said the ice was trash. I know. I'm shocked. And like it, it didn't look trash, but I do think there's a reason it was a 2-1 hockey game, like a hard defensive fog game. And that's a lot to do with the fact that the ice wasn't as good as some people might have thought it was going to be. But, man, I agree with you. The way it looked, and it was just the, the ice rink shaped as a baseball field and center field, and the way that they had logos all over the field, each team's colors, it was just beautiful. Seeing the green monster was pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. Up in the background. Um, yep. It was, it was very nice. It was a very good event. Yep, and our pal Joey Parisi was sitting in right center. He got to sit right in front of the stage of the Black Keys, who performed during the first intermission. I believe that's where his seat was. I never actually confirmed how close he was. No, it was because I saw on his Snapchat that he was in right center. Yeah, and it seemed like that's where the Black Keys were doing their performance. Um, Very good stuff. Very much enjoyed the game. Frank, it was a defensive-minded game. What did you take away from that? I mean, that's what I told you. I had a feeling it'd be defensive-minded so the goalies would shine, which is very interesting because Chris Letang didn't play, which hurts the defense of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tristan Jari got injured, which is going to hurt defensively. You'd assume more pucks would go in the net with DeSmith in uh, in his backup, but that wasn't the case. And if the ice truly was that bad, Maybe it hinders the offense a little bit, and you know that helps the defense out a little bit more. But with how good the weather was and the temperature in the air, I know you mentioned that might have you know some of the legends and all stars in this game time to shine a little bit better. But I kind of thought of it from a different perspective, and I thought that would help the goaltenders out a little bit. They'd be able to move nice, they wouldn't have to worry about snow in their face stuff like that. They also don't move around the ice as much as other players do. So I think the better conditions help the goalies a little bit. And I predicted three to two score was two to one Boston, very good defensive games and a very good defensive game. And I just, it's kind of what I expect going into it. Absolutely. Uh, listen, both teams, Pittsburgh Penguins hockey is hard on the four check rolling four lines Crosby doesn't have much more ice time than like their fourth liners. Mm -hmm. And that's just how the Penguins win games. And they've been doing it for years. Mike Sullivan sticks to his 
you know, plan of attack with each and every game. And then the Bruins are the Bruins. Their top line for all these years has had Bergeron on it, who has known to be probably the best two way forward of his generation. And I like, it's just it looking back on it. It's like, of course that's how this game went. I mean, we've seen the Pittsburgh Penguins and Boston Bruins have some bar barn burners too. make no mistake about it. But here in the winter classic, when everyone was at the top of their focus, it was like, wow, this game is awesome. And then you were talking about how the offense was kind of slow when we were like halfway through the third period and all of the sudden things started to take over. But before we get into the actual outcome of the game, there were some legends playing in this game. You got Patrice Bergeron. You got Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. All three of those guys are locks to be in the Hall of Fame. Other guys might be as well. Martian's got a little work to do if he wants to make it to the Hall of Fame, but I still think he has a chance to. Uh, Christopher Letang will probably be a Hall of Famer, but he's not in this game. So, like, the three locks for the Hall of Famer, the three I mentioned, it kind of seemed like all three of them being kind of in their advanced years a little bit, not like they're going to retire next year or anything like that, but you know, they got more behind them than in front of them. It seemed like they were taking it all in a little more, looking around, enjoying the scenes, you know, having fun. What did you take away from that? Well, one thing I've learned in life and in sports is you can never take anything for granted, right? You don't know if this is going to be any of their last outdoor games or last winter classic. It very well could be Crosby Malkin's last winter classic that they'll ever play in and probably Bergeron too. I don't expect the Bruins or Penguins to be in the 2025 Winter Classic. I don't. I just it's it's very hard to get to that Winter Classic game and have that outdoor game because the Winter Classic only happens once a year. This was only the 14th annual Winter Classic and look at it there were twice where it was postponed a year because of COVID and and just you just don't know. So I mean, a big part of the reason why you said they could have been skating around taking it is because this could be their very last game. This is like could be one of their last big memories they could have in their career. Those two, you know, you, do the Bruins win the cup this year? I don't know. Is Bergeron going to have another moment like that? Or is Crosby and Melkin going to have another big moment similar to winning the cup? I don't know. So the, the Winter Classic is kind of that moment that they could have towards the end of their career. Because like I said, you just can't take anything for granted. You just don't know what's going to happen. And during this game, those three players that you mentioned, Crosby, Malkin, Bergeron, they really didn't do anything to help their team win offensively. But on defense, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Crosby and Malkin, because Crosby or Malkin had three shot blocks which is great. I mean, he was helping his team defensively because he really didn't do anything on offense, but they were able to limit the Bruins to two goals. The best team in the league when it comes to scoring goals and keeping the puck out of their net. They have the best goal differential in the league. So while they didn't do anything on offense, they were helping on defense and keeping the puck out of the net, which you don't see on the score sheet. And a lot of people don't talk about that. But limiting the Bruins to two goals is a big thing. That's a big win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I agree. Crosby had one play in the first period where he set up. I want to say it was Gensel. And he, like, dropped it for him in a way. And, you know, Allmark made a great save. Those don't show up on the score sheet right. either. But the shot assists were off the hook for pretty much all of them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, you know... I love watching Crosby play. I love watching Malcolm play when they go on the power play, even if they don't score. 
they they make their plays and whatnot. But when the Bruins were down one nothing, thanks to a goal from Kasperi Kapanen, nice play by Danton Heinen and Jeff Carter to kind of find him in front, you know, on a quick little a quick little mistake that the Bruins made behind their own net, and they capitalized one nil Penguins. Mm-hmm. Jake DeBrusque took over. Jake DeBrusque took a nice feed from Brad Marchand to stuff it in the net to finally get the Bruins on the board. And then I think almost 10 minutes to the dot of game clock later, Taylor Hall makes a power move to force himself in front of the net. And the save is made by DeSmith and the rebound is right there. And we thought offhand, I thought offhand that Taylor Hall put in his own rebound, but it was actually Jake DeBrusque who scooped up the rebound and threw it in the net to give the Bruins a two to one lead late. The Penguins basically had to pull their goalie right after that. What did you take away from Jake DeBrusque's performance? He now has one of the best Winter Classic single-game performances ever. Well, if you aren't familiar, if people didn't read one of my latest articles, I did a piece on the Winter Classic, tied it in with NHL 23, kind of made my predictions for the game. And in that article, I talked about a three-headed beast of Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marchand. And I said... In the article, I said, these guys are great, but the one guy you got to look out for is Jake DeBrus. I think Jake DeBrus could have a big game. That's exactly what happened. I mean, we're talking about a 30-point player this year. He's got 16 goals. It's not something you sleep on if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, on the tapes, you're looking out for Pasta, Bergeron, Martian. Obviously, those are the guys, those crucial guys that could stick it to you at any given moment. But the guy waiting in the shadows, the assassinator, is Jake DeBrusque. And he did exactly what I kind of predicted would happen. If you fall asleep on the other three, got to make sure you have your your mindset set to Jake DeBrusque. Two goals. Thought he was going to get the hat trick potentially on the empty net. Thought Allmark was going to score, to be honest with you. But Jake DeBrusque proves that while he's not he's not a Pasternak, he's not a Marchand, he's not a Crosby, he's not an Ovechkin, but he's that player that is crucial to winning games and winning Stanley Cups. He is that player that people want to have on their team because of the way he contributes to this team. I would love a Jake DeBrus on the Blackhawks. You would love a Jake DeBrusque on the New Jersey Devils. He's that great player that teams need who chip in in big moments, and that's exactly what he did. He chipped in in a big moment and gave the Bruins a 2-1 to victory. He didn't get along with Bruce Cassidy at all. They was getting health bombed and played on the fourth line, 10 minutes a game, if that. There were some single-digit minute games for DeBrusque when Cassidy was the coach. Listen, Cassidy's having some good success with Vegas right now, but he and Jake DeBrusque didn't get along. He didn't get along with a lot of players on the Bruins for whatever reason. Um, It didn't fit anymore. They got rid of him. Now Jake DeBrusque would probably not want to be traded. I remember he, he asked for a trade last year, and the Bruins ended up not granting it to him. They fired Brucey, and now... Things are going well with Montgomery for DeBrusque, so we're happy for him. Frank, the Bruins won again. They haven't lost two in a row this season, and they haven't lost in regulation at home. Fenway Park is home technically, but not technically. If they would have lost, then people would have started saying, the Bruins haven't lost in regulation at TD Garden. And, you know, it would have been a little asterisk next to their home record or whatever. But they have avoided any of that by just winning this game. They haven't lost in regulation. In any place they call home, whether it be Fenway Park or the Garden, what do you? I mean, what is going on with this team, dude? They can't lose in Massachusetts. That's just what it is. Basically. Any game played in Massachusetts, go play a game at Gillette Stadium. They're not going to lose. Foxborough, Secaucus, Saugus, uh, whatever the other it's, towns are. I got a couple in mind, but go ahead. 
it's remarkable, honestly, to not lose a game in regulation at home. You've lost two and one in overtime, one in the shootout, but not to lose in regulation and just basically going into the mindset that when you have a home game, we're coming out with at least one point, but there's like a 90% chance we're coming out with two. That's just remarkable. And that's a remarkable mindset that maybe Montgomery is using in the locker room saying, hey, boys, got a home game. Just play your game. Don't fall asleep. Don't worry about the record. Just focus on the game. And if you have that mindset going in, they're going to be a very difficult team to beat at home. But a lot of the credit also has to go to Allmark and Swayman. They've been a fantastic, fantastic duo this season. A few podcasts ago, I mentioned how I think Allmark could win the Vezina, and you said maybe you're not really high on that take just because he might not have the games amount number of games played. Um, but I don't know. He, he's played, what, 23 games? He's 21-1-1. Uh, 186 goals against and a 939 save percentage. He's played 23 games so far. If he plays upwards of 40 games or 50 games and keeps on this pace, he's my pick to win the Vezina. I think like 100%. I, I don't see any arguing against it. Swayman's been a ba- great backup. I mean, he's obviously got the more losses. He's got – Swayman is, um yeah, 7-3-3. Three, and three. He's got six losses of the Bruins total, eight. Um, and he's got a 268 goals against average, which is great for a backup. I would sign up for that for backup goaltending. Save percentage is in the 800s, which is not too good. But Allmark has been the face of this team so far in the goaltending department. And honestly, if if things keep up this way, I, I don't know who could dethrone for the Vezina. That's very fair. I mean, he's been outstanding. I didn't think Allmark would stay as the starter all season long. That was my thinking, you know, he's the starter right now, right? Like there's, I mean, Crosby and Swayman did the commercial for the Winter Classic before the season started. You saw it on the TV mm-hmm. and that just ended up not working out that way. So credit to both of them. They're, they've been incredible. Um, it was a great Winter Classic. I enjoyed every bit of it. I truly did. I can't wait for next year. They announced during the game that next year's Winter Classic in the year 2024, the Seattle Kraken will host the Vegas Golden Knights, the two newest teams in the NHL facing off in the Winter Classic. Take away from that. I'm excited. I'm very excited. It's at T-Mobile Park where the Mariners play. It's going to be a good – this concept is – very unique, I think, to have the two most recent franchises play in the Winter Classic. It'll be the 15th annual Winter Classic. And I don't think there's really a better way to celebrate a, you know, landmark or not landmark, but that that anniversary type of year, that 15th anniversary, by doing something special like this. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be a great celebration of the league and how far it's come along in the last 15 years. In the last 15 years, we've sustained having a winter classic every year, except for COVID and the lockout. Um, hockey's grown more in the last 15 years than it did in the 30 before it. Um, so, and we got two new teams out of it with all the revenue and interest in hockey around the world. So now it'll be a lot more interesting to see a winter classic between teams that are new. You know, it's always old teams. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins are both part of the original 12. Okay, last year was the Wild and the Blues. Okay, the Wild are on the newer side, but really Minnesota had the North Stars. It's Minnesota and St. Louis, both part of the original 12 cities to get a um, NHL team. 
So, you know, it, even every year, the, the only one that comes close is Nashville and Dallas. But Nashville's on the newer side. But Dallas was the North Star, so they're still on the old side. And it's just Nashville and Dallas who are like some of the big cities in the country. Seattle, Vegas is like those are new to hockey all around for the most part. And I'm just so excited to see what comes from that. Um, it should be electric factory. But, Frank, back to the Bruins and the Penguins. Where does each team go from here? Well, the Bruins got ultimately a uh, three-game California road trip that I think they're going to breeze by with ease. And then the second half of the season, they're just going to they're gonna stay on track. They're going to win the President's Trophy, I think. Um, Carolina, close second, but eh, I don't really see them going on a heater where they could make up six points against the Bruins the way the Bruins are playing. But I think the Bruins are going to cruise through this California road trip with ease and then uh, ultimately solidify themselves as the top team in the NHL. So for the Pittsburgh Penguins, they got a little bit of a different difficult schedule kind of coming up. I mean, they go to their next game is in Vegas, which is going to be tough for them. Then they uh, play Arizona in Arizona and home of against Vancouver. The problem with this, though, and I'm kind of seeing my preseason prediction come true a little bit is I'm going to predict the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to miss the playoffs this year. I didn't know if they were going to make make the playoffs going into it. Then they got on a little bit of a heater. I'm like, okay, maybe we're going to be wrong. But as we stand right now, I believe the Pittsburgh Penguins are not in a wild card spot. I believe they're two points out. And I just, with the injuries that are going on, I don't know what's going on with Jari, when Latang will be back. I think that if they get too far in a hole at this point in the season, because they're already out of the playoffs, I think it's just going to be too hard to climb up, climb out of. And because I kind of predicted that I don't know if they'd make the playoffs preseason, I'm going to stick with that and say they're going to miss the postseason this year. Does Buffalo have a better chance to make it than the Penguins? Buffalo's got four less points, but they've been freaking good. They've been good. but And they have better vibes. Yeah, I but I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say they have a better chance. I'd say the Pittsburgh Penguins have the better chance. I'll go with the experience with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, I kind of expect the Buffalo to be a, a tad bit better maybe. Um, but, no, I don't agree. I think Pittsburgh's got the better chance to make the playoffs. But I, I still think they're both going to miss. If you take out Buffalo's losing streak where they lost six or seven in a row there, they're right where you thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. So I actually think Buffalo's right where we had them. Because I'm going to ignore that weird week they had. I am. It's tough. You know, that's part of hockey. Yeah, you're going to go on losing streaks. Look at the Devils. They went on a what, six, seven-game losing streak? Six. So, I mean, that that right there, though, like, it proves that a lot of teams go through that. I mean, you even look at – I mean, obviously the Hawks have lost, like, nine in a row this year, and they're bad. But even the best teams go through stretches like that, and that's – part of the sport that's part of the you know adversity that you got to kind of overcome if you want to make a push for the playoffs but um we'll see what happens uh i don't know we'll, we'll talk about tage thompson in the second period in buffalo I and mean, i could kind of elaborate a little bit more on them there but as for right now yeah buffalo i don't know about them yet i agree i think the t- there are top 10 teams in the eastern conference right now The Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers, Bruins, Leafs, Lightning, Capitals, Islanders, Penguins, Sabres. Eight Mm -hmm. of those ten get in. Right? Like Islanders are really – they're impressing me, the Islanders. Big win last night. Big win last night. Against Vancouver. They were down in that game, 1-0. After it was 1-0, 
this Islanders team did not take their foot off the gas. 1-1, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2. Thought Vancouver may get into it. A late period goal for Vancouver at the end of the second period. Islanders kept the foot on the gas, made a 4-2 lead. Then 5-2. They've been really impressing me this season because I have not been really high up on this New York Islanders team. But they currently hold the second place wild card right now. Um, I, I do think they got more games played, but I think the Islanders might slip in. They might. Uh, they lost to Seattle a couple days ago. Rubbed me the wrong way. They looked like Garbo in that game. And listen, I fully <clears> – Seattle might not make the playoffs. They're in a playoff spot right now. I'm no. I, I'm out on competitively bad, though. They're not a lottery team. I was wrong about that. They are not a lottery team. They will not fall that far to be in the top five worst teams in the league. They are way closer to being a playoff team than a lottery team. Um, they proved it to me last night with their 2 nothing comeback win over the, um, what are they called, the Edmonton Oilers. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it was impressive. But impressive. the Penguins and the Bruins, they put on a show for everyone. I hope everybody enjoyed the Winter Classic. It is one of my favorite events on the entire hockey calendar. Um, next outdoor game we have to look forward to is the Stadium Series game between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. I'm sure we're going to watch it together. I'm sure Ovechkin's going to score four goals. That's probably where he'll hit about 820 and get himself to within a season or two of breaking that good old record of his. Um, you want to know something interesting? Let's say he hits it in 2025, like you're predicting, right, 2025? What if the NHL scheduled the Washington Capitals to be in the 2025 Winter Classic knowing he could break the record in that game. Tell it could be in Washington. Good. It could the Winter Classic in 2025 very I mean very well may be in Washington for that reason. We'll have to see where he is at that point, but what if they're predicting something of that nature? I mean, we could figure out right now exactly when he's going to break the record if you want. You I just mean, don't know though. You, I like, mean, I like, predicted his 500th goal. Remember that Facebook post I made? Well, then, well, then let's hear it because I'm right. very mel- very well. It may be. I mean, I mean, imagine that the Winter Classic had his record-breaking goal outdoors. I mean, it's very possible. It's very possible. I also think Detroit's due for a Winter Classic again. Yeah, I thought that that may be coming this year, but maybe the year after. Maybe Detroit, Washington. Eh, I don't know about that. That wouldn't be really good matchup i look for like big rivalry titan clash matchups in the winter classic or classic teams i mean detroit and i don't know who detroit would play they already played the blackhawks i don't think the bruins would have one that soon didn't detroit play toronto in an outdoor game um they probably wouldn't do that again yeah 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 they're gonna start getting jizzy involved they're for sure gonna start getting jack hughes involved Maybe, yeah. I mean, what about Detroit Rangers? That's a good one. That could be a, that's up there. I could see that being an outdoor game in the future, if not a winter classic. Frank, so how are we looking over there with the I think o, I think Ovechkin is going to break the record relatively early in the 2024 25 season. Which would be on track for the Winter Classic of that year, unless you're talking about October. Early. I'm I'm thinking like late November, like around Thanksgiving. Well, I'll say my, that like there, around my there birthday. Could, but there could be delays 
there could be delays and there could be slight regression because I gave them 50 this year and 50 next year. So then, and I know you think I'm on glue for that, but the winter classic then could potentially, yeah, it absolutely may keep that in mind too. You're absolutely right. We'll see. Wouldn't that be something? I hope he breaks it against the devils personally. I mean, we'll see because then there will be a 100% chance I'm watching the game. That is true. I mean, I feel like you're going to be watching the game regardless if it happens. Well, yes, yes, yes. When he's sitting on 893 and 894, obviously, I think breaking the record will be more must-see than tying the record, but both will be must-see. Um, I kind of hope he ties it by like throwing in an empty netter so then we could go into every game going forward. Like, <laughs> fuck yeah, let's go OV. Let's go OV. Um <laughs> OV making Frankie cry. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But man, the Winter Classic, what a show. What a show. What a show. If you have never been to a Winter Classic or an outdoor game, I highly recommend it. It is, you might say to yourself every year, your Winter Classic is getting old. I don't need to tune into it. Then don't. It's for the people who go. Like, go to the game and you'll understand why they do it every year. Like, it's just when you're there, at the Winter Classic, it honestly feels like you died and went to hockey heaven, and then you get shoved back down to the shithole we call Earth, you know, when once the game is over. So, you know, go to the Winter Classic, and you will never complain that it happens every year ever again. That, I gotta be, I, I gotta, promise. I gotta be honest with you. It started off kind of boring. The game, yeah, it was, a, I'm, yeah. I'm sure if you were there, it was a lot better than watching on TV. But watching on TV, it really didn't get started cooking until the start of the third in my opinion i mean fenway park wasn't loud i was expecting them to be buzzing but when the bruins got on the board for the first time that's when they started buzzing i'm like wow this crowd's back into it and that's when the atmosphere really took a turn and the game started to get a lot better but early on the game was just kind of boring for me to be honest with you yeah that happens in hockey though yeah that, that's right. just the nature of hockey sometimes you know if the goalie's getting a duel I love a 2-1 game, you know, between two great goalies, but that wasn't even because of the goalies. I mean, both goalies played well yesterday, no doubt about that, but they weren't the reason it was 2-1. to one. It was good defensive play and getting in lanes and shutting down the middle of the ice. That's boring from, like, an optics point of view, so I understand what you're saying, but, like, to people who say they should stop doing the Winter Classic every year, I'm like, dude, shut no, that, up. That, that's dumb. Go to the game and you will never say dumbass shit like that ever again. I promise you. I promise you. Um, Frank, the Boston Bruins and the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't the only two teams in the National Hockey League, though. There are plenty of other things to talk about, and we will do so in period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank. We live in Chicago. It's a nice right. city. It's a nice city. It is a nice city. Got good food. Got five, six sports teams that are good or that are fun when they are good. I guess I should say they all kind of stink right now. Um, Chicago Blackhawks play hockey. They're the hockey team. They're the, mm-hmm. they're the team that plays sticky puck. They play the sticky puck. I'm well aware. They suck. 
they are the worst team in the NHL. And I legitimately think they're as bad as some of those teams that played in the mid-2000s when the United Center was empty. Now, winning three Stanley Cups, it's kind of changed a little bit. Like, it's not empty anymore. People know what's coming. I think hockey fans in Chicago are a little more educated now than they were back then. They weren't. You weren't hearing people in Chicago in 2006 going, pain for Kane, pain for Kane, pain for Kane. There were people in Philly saying that and Edmonton and all these other cities that had the chance of the lottery. People in Chicago didn't care. Now, here we are in 2022. Suck for Bedard. Tank for Bedard. We all want Bedard. You know, the, the hockey education in Chicago has grown exponentially, and people understand why the Blackhawks are bad, why it's a good thing. So I do commend the city for growing as a hockey town over the last 15 years. Nobody cared about pain for Kane or fail for nail or any of that kind of crap that went on when they still stunk. But now they stink again. Patrick Kane left the game early last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. People are like, is he getting traded? Is there an injury? We find out after the game it's a lower body injury, but it's mild, but it was exactly two days or two weeks, excuse me, two months before the trade deadline. If it's any sort of minor injury, they're going to be extra cautious with them in case they do end up trading him. What is your status on the Blackhawks right now? Well, they've completely lost the ability to put the puck in the net. They jump out to the big 1-0 lead against the Titans, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning team. I had a feeling they're going to blow the game because they can't score. They just don't score, and it's irritating watching this team going through the motions. The passes they make aren't that good. They're always constantly getting behind. They they have a good start, and then they're getting behind. They're getting outshot. They're getting outplayed, and it's just it's painful to watch. This is the worst Hawks team I've watched with my own two eyes, and it just it completely sucks. And I'm very excited about going to see them on Friday and see them play in person because regardless of how bad they are, I'm going to enjoy myself as a good at a good hockey game. But just right now, they just can't score. And then you mentioned Patrick Kane. He sustained an injury with the San Jose Sharks, against the San Jose Sharks, a uh, lower body injury. He was, a bit, he was able to play with it, which makes it seem like the injury is not that bad. Left, or he didn't come back after the second period of yesterday's game. Like you said, if they trade them, they got to be cautious with them. You don't want anything bad to happen with them. I don't know. I'm getting vibes here. Really weird vibes. Non-biasly. It has nothing to do biasly. That they're not going to end up trading either Kane or Taves. For some reason, I have this feeling. It, it's not going to happen. And a reason you mentioned earlier on in the season and before the season has started is with Kane and Taves, you're limiting your chances at Bedard. We suck regardless. I don't care who's playing on this team. The, what, what I've been witnessing from the Chicago Blackhawks, nothing's going right for them. They don't have the goaltending. They don't have the defense right now, and they can't score. I think, obviously, they pulled them for precautionary reasons because there is that chance that they do trade him. And and that's always got to be an option. People have to realize that that's always an option flowing through their heads. So they have to do it just in case. But something's telling me they're not leaving Chicago. I might be way wrong. I might be way wrong. But just I there's something in my brain that's telling me that's not going to happen. I, I think it's going to be hard to trade Taves. 
just because I don't think he gives you he gives you good production, but he doesn't give you elite production Stokes for his got cap. The same feeling. There's something lately, VP. Something lately. Everybody's getting that feeling. I understand what you're saying, but they have to try. I don't they, think they're going to. They have to try. You have to get extra. If you want, it, it has nothing to do with tanking anymore. Yes, we know they could suck bad enough with them. That's fine. I get that. But if you can add an extra first or a second or, or like a mid-level it? prospect, if you could get Lafreniere, who's probably on the trade block now, and you could try and revive his career. Imagine if you put Lafreniere with Bedard. Maybe he doesn't suck anymore. Maybe he takes advantage of all that talent that he showed us when he was playing for the Ramuski Oceanic last year or two years ago and, you know, playing with Canada and the World Juniors. I think Bedard is that good. And you could try and re-sign Patrick Kane in the offseason if you want to put him with Bedard. But you have to try and get assets. I'm sorry. I love Patrick Kane. I loved seeing him play for the Blackhawks. I'm hoping he's in the lineup on Sunday and for your sake Friday so we can both see him play for the Hawks one more time. But if you're the Rangers... And you're like, we're barely in a playoff spot. We've kind of failed to meet expectations this year. We have Artemi Panarin. He has chemistry with Patrick Kane. We know how well Mika Zibanejad would play with Patrick Kane being a two-way kind of center. We'll give up Lafreniere, Kravtsov, and a first for Patrick Kane. The Hawks got to be like licking their chops for this kind of stuff. The Colorado Avalanche have been one of the most disappointing teams in the league so far, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs. If they're like, here, take Sam Gerrard or something for Patrick Kane, you know, like in a second round pick, dude, you got to take that. You have to take that to avoid three months of Patrick Kane playing for the worst team in the league. Honestly, if you're right and they don't trade Patrick Kane and he leaves in free agency this summer to go to another team, I will be very upset with Kyle Davidson. If he leaves in free agency, I will be very upset too. If he's going to leave, then trade him. But I, I don't think he's leaving is the, the, the thing here. Then if you re-sign him, fine. But here's here's another thing. Hockey and sports is poetry, right? It's very hard. It was same thing with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Malkin. Is Malkin going to get traded? Okay, there's a lot of buzz around it, but it's very hard. And I know the Pittsburgh Penguins are in a completely different boat than the Chicago Blackhawks. They were in a playoff spot. I know. I realize it. Completely different. But it's when you're trying to trade people of that nature, it's very hard to see that. Like, it's obviously, okay, he's from Buffalo. He's going to go play for a New York team. I get it. I get it. This is no bias either. I have no bias in this remark. It's just Skokes feels the same way. It's just, it seems lately there's something, I don't see a vision of it happening. Do you know, like when something happens in sports, you're like, you could see it a few weeks in advance saying this is going to happen. So then in three weeks, I just have a feeling that'll happen. And like in college football, sometimes we could predict it. And I have that same feeling right now. Is it true Edmonton's GM said uh, dry sidles available? I have no idea. Is it? If- if Drysidle's available, Patrick Kane becomes the second biggest. Um, I'm not saying he's not available. Kane is available. Like people will shop around for him. It's just will the Hawks pull the trigger? That's not what I'm sure about. If that's what's going to happen, I I 100% agree with you, and I know a lot of people listening will agree also. If he's going to leave, leave, you got to trade him. If he leaves in free agency, I will be pissed more than anybody else. 
more than you, more than any of the fans. I will be livid that he you let him go away in free agency without getting any assets for him. The problem here is, is he going to leave in free agency? That that's what I I can't wrap my head around. Yeah, I if mean, he stays that long, if he's willing to not waive his no move clause, I don't see him leaving in free agency because that would also be dumb on his part too. Yeah, because I agree. Right. Right, that would be stupid on his part that he can't go play for a Stanley Cup contending team right now. So if he doesn't get traded, it makes me believe a little more that he's not leaving in free agency because that would just be stupid from the Blackhawks and Patrick Kane. Yes, I agree. Uh, I just, as of right now, I, I reread what I read last night when I was tired and woozy. They <laughs> meant available for the game. Um, but he's got two years left on his deal. 8.5 million. Edmonton is going to look to shake things up. I wouldn't be shocked if something happens with them over the next couple of years, if not this year. But, um, it reminds me of Tavares. Um, the Islanders were, they weren't as bad as the Blackhawks, but they weren't in a playoff spot Mm -hmm. and they didn't trade him and he left in free agency and they got nothing for a player who was worth $11 million. And that's rough. It's very rough. And I think you can advance your organization. Look at what they got. For Debrinket, yeah, and look at what they got uh, with the trade that landed them two other first round picks. They didn't trade a, a player as good as Patrick Kane. Like, why wouldn't a team like the Islanders want him, or the Bruins, or even the Devils? The Oilers are going to want him. There's no doubt, and I think his production this year is a reflection of his line mates and the defensemen and the team he plays for. If he went to the freaking Devils and played with Bratton Hughes he'd get back to being a point-per-game player. He might end up leading them in scoring besides Hughes. Now, I'm also content with this year's draft, at least. I mean, maybe they'd get draft picks for him for, like, next year's. But this year, we have two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds, which I'm content with. And potentially one of those firsts could be Connor Bedard, which you don't need anything for this year. It's great to have the extra picks, obviously. But you don't need it. I'm I'm satisfied with what the Hawks have going into the 2023 offseason. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but you can have more. This draft, yeah, I know. This draft has 40 first round pick type of players in it. A pick, a, a round and a half worth of first round talents. Guys who are taken in the first half of the second round are like first round talents, which is insane. And, like, there are going to be some hits and some misses, obviously. Not everybody drafted in the top 40 is going to be an NHL star. But the more opportunities you have to surround Connor Bedard with some of these types of players, you know, don't forget, Connor Bedard's not a center. Mm-hmm. They're going to need to work on their center depth over the, the rebuild here. And Reichel's a wing, right? So, like, it's not like he's the answer. Korchinski's a defenseman. Ian Mitchell's a defenseman. A lot of their top prospects aren't centers and I think there's going to be there's going to be some moves needed to be made in order to really kind of get this rebuild finished I guess I could say and it's going to be a long time Connor Bedard's not going to come here and win the scoring title in year one but he's going to be a very good player I believe if they win the lottery obviously but Mm -hmm. they are listen one of Connor Bedard Adam Fantilli Matvey Mitchkov or Leo Carlson will play for the Chicago Blackhawks next year and obviously winning the lottery. Mitchkov, then we got to wait for him. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, you might have to wait for Carlson too. I meant be in the organization next year. No, I agree. Um, I completely agree. 
Yeah. I I hope they move him. And speaking of Patrick Kane, he comes from Buffalo. Last night we had in Washington Alexander Ovechkin and um, Tage Thompson going head-to-head. Each of them had two goals going into overtime, and Tage Thompson completed the hat-trick with his 30th goal of the season against these Capitals. Mm-hmm. Frank, what's your takeaway from a game like this with Buffalo? I want to apologize for tape my Tage Thompson talk. I mean, that's just – he's he's very good. He becomes the third fastest, I believe, in Buffalo history to score 30 goals. And when he scores, it comes in bunches. He's not just scoring one goal a game. We'll get a couple two or hat tricks here and there. And I mean, what I've seen from him is great. And I thought the Buffalo Sabres would have been a little bit better this year. But like you said, they had that losing streak in there. But that's something you, it, it's no excuse, something you got to, you know, take into consideration. But they're on the up and coming. This Buffalo Sabres team will be good. This isn't the Buffalo Sabres team of the past, the 55 point Buffalo Sabres seasons. Um, they're, they're definitely here to improve. Ovechkin had a big game two, two goals. Um, but Thompson, three goals, one assist. He had a four point night. That's tough. Um, just right now, I think they're in too much of a hole. They're behind, uh, like we said earlier, Pittsburgh and the Islanders, they're six points out. That's tough. You're getting to the second half of the season right now. You got a little more than half the season left. That's tough hole to come out of. Um, I do think they're talented enough to do that. I just don't think this is their year. I think they got the players that they're building around. They got the right talent on the team, but it's going to take an extra year of development. And, you know, in the next year or two, this is definitely going to be a Buffalo playoff team. Yes, I completely agree. Um, Tom asked a question in the chat. How long ago was it that I said to watch out for Leo Carlson climbing up the ladder? Yeah, you said that a while ago. Yeah. And I remember I had, I can't remember which defenseman I had at four before the world junior started. But as I watch, you know, what's going on in the SHL, he's a defenseman, and, right? No, he's a forward. Leo, um, Leo, Carlson's, Leo a Carlson's a forward. Oh. He scored two goals in Sweden's most recent win to advance them into the semifinals from the quarterfinals. And man, the kid's really good. I've been watching Sweden. Sweden has a devil's prospect and a Hawks prospect. Um, or no, Sweden doesn't have a devil's prospect. It's the Hawks prospect I'm thinking of. But, you know, I've been watching yeah. Sweden. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're the only team on ESPN Plus every game. The, uh, the other games you got to watch on NHL Network and whatnot. Um, but Sweden, really good. Leo Carlson's been one of their best players, and he's shown to be clutch. They needed him in this game to advance. He scored two goals. So, yeah, Leo Carlson, really good. Um, did you see the Sabres, the stats on Tage Thompson's 30th goal in relation, in relation to DeMar Hamlin? Um, I know he was wearing a DeMar Hamlin, like three shirt, wasn't he? Yeah. Every player was. Oh yeah. I don't know the stats then. DeMar Hamlin. Where's number three? Yesterday was January 3rd. Oh. Tage Thompson scored three goals. Tage Thompson's hat trick was his third of the season. It was the 30th goal of the season for Tage Thompson. And the real icing on the cake stat. Don't tell me he scored with 333 or something. He scored at three minutes of the overtime period. Three colon zero zero. There were two minutes left in overtime when he scored of a five-minute overtime period. It was at three minutes of the overtime period, his third of the game. 
I got nothing. <laughs> Once again, like I said a little bit ago, sports is poetry. Stuff like that happens in sports. It just it's meant to be stuff like that. It's just it's truly insane. And I think I I saw something in relation to the stat line. I just didn't read it. I just bro- like went past it. It was in my feed or whatever. That is absolutely insane. Isn't that? I nuts? have no words. It's nuts. It's that absolutely isn't. nuts. Um, one thing I want you to go back and look, rewatch Tage Thompson's goal. Everyone talks about how big Tage Thompson is, right? And every time he scores a goal, he's doing the hockey hugs and he towers over every other player on his team, right? But the first person he goes to is Owen Power. And Owen Power's the same height. <laughs> I'm like, and Rasmus Dahlin rushes off the bench and he's the same height. You don't think you Tage Thompson's height is notable because of the skill he has with his hands. Most players that big aren't as handsy. Like Mario Lemieux was like that. We call these guys unicorns. What makes Tage Thompson so good is he's as tall. He's 6'7", I think. He's barely shorter than Chara, but he's got hands like Jack Hughes. Well, Jack Hughes is almost a full foot shorter than Tage Thompson. Mm-hmm. Like the, Patrick Kane is 5'10", Sidney Crosby 5'10". Like guys with hands like that aren't always sick, aren't ever 6'6". Six, six. And so that's what makes Tage Thompson such a unicorn. And I thought it was really cool, like Owen Power. Like this Buffalo Sabres team, they're building – they got a little bit of everything. They have a little bit of everything on that team. I think they're going to be so good. They are the best goal-scoring team in the NHL. They're just not that great defensively yet. We'll see Owen Power and Darlene and all they're these on guys. The coming. They're, they're on the come up. The, they're up yeah. and coming. They will win a cup with this core. They'll they'll compete for a cup with this core. I, I can't say that about every team who's good and young, right? Like you got the Devils, the Senators, the Red Wings, and then you got teams like the Bruins, the Penguins, the Capitals who still haven't given up their old guard yet. So like, you know, it, it's hard to win the cup. But um, I like this Buffalo team. Frank, mm-hmm. I touched on it already a little bit. The Oilers. They lose again. They blow another one. McDavid and Dreisaitl. <laughs> McDavid and Dreisaitl are the NHL's two leading scorers, and that has kept the Oilers in playoff position. McDavid has almost a 20-point lead on second place Dreisaitl for the scoring title. Um, it's honestly wild. Would you ever envision the Oilers trading one of these two, if not both? Because no. – not right now. No, not right now. I mean, I, there's no reason to. They could get you to the playoffs. You're not winning with them, but they could still get you there. And when you're in there, it's really anybody's game. I just don't see why they would even consider trading them. Like, it wouldn't even be a thought in my mind if I was running the organization. At least not right now. I mean, these are players you could build around. I can't even believe we're having this conversation. It's a conversation on Twitter. I didn't pull it out of my asshole. I'm being dead serious. This is things people, like notable people That's are nuts. talking about. That's nuts. Yeah. I mean, that happens sometimes. Like, when something's not working for 10 straight years, like, we're, we're getting into McDavid's, I think this is McDavid's eighth year in the NHL. Like, eighth yeah, calendar year. he got year. drafted to the 2015 draft. Yeah. So, so like the eighth calendar year. Yeah. So, we're getting up there for McDavid. He's Closing in, he'll be at a thousand points before he's 28. He's gonna have 2,000 points, I do believe that. So is Crosby. Um, 
but I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not saying it's happening this year. I'm not saying it's ha- dry saddle has got two years left. He he's he's a trade deadline acquisition candidate next year if they don't a get an extension done or b prove to him that they're going to do something about it. You say they can't win in the playoffs. I do believe if they make it, they can. As long as they get goaltending in these two. I mean, they were in the Anybody conference who finals. Makes the playoffs can. They were in the conference finals last year. So I I don't know. I think it's a odd it's an odd situation going on there in Edmonton right now. They hang on to that wild card spot, but the team right below them are the Colorado Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions, who have three less games played than them. So it's actually not looking all that great for the Oilers right now. Ah, I don't know. I just when you got talent like that on your team, and it's so hard to get talent of that nature. It's so hard to get a player like Connor McDavid. You just don't let that go if things aren't looking good or going right. You, you build around them. You find ways to win with them. There are things that can be done. And I agree. Things need to be done if they want to win, but you just don't trade them. They're not in that boat yet. Absolutely. I, I agree. I mean, McDavid's the best player ever. You just right? don't let him go like that. Yeah, it's... They did trade Wayne Gretzky. They did trade Wayne Gretzky. But if you call him the best player ever, he's not a Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, well, (laughs) he's not statistically Wayne Gretzky, and he probably won't be, right? Like, I don't think anybody's having 2,800 points ever again, but that's just the nature of the times. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, The Carolina Hurricanes, you said – they can't catch the Bruins. You don't they think they could, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think they're going to either. But they just ended their eleven-game winning streak. It's not like they're a joke. I know they uh, they lost to the Devils or the Devils, the Rangers, five to three. Almost lost to the Devils. They almost lost to the Devils. I mean, this is a team that is the Rangers team has been better lately. They've been playing better hockey lately, and you mm-hmm. go into Madison Square Garden, tough game to win, tough game to win, especially when you're on a lose. Or especially when you're on a winning streak of that nature, the loss is bound to come sooner or later. And I think Twitter jinxed them. I don't know if it was the NHL or there there was a post on Twitter from either the NHL or the Hurricanes or somebody. And they said the Hurricanes are undefeated in their white jerseys and red buckets. And then they lose that night. So whoever did that jinxed them. Um but big props and shout out to the New York Rangers. All their big boys came out to play. You had goals by Truba, Zabinijad, Panarin, Miller. I mean, those are like, yeah, you expect these guys to show up, and they did to end the winning streak of the Carolina Hurricanes. But now the Hurricanes play the Devils next Tuesday. Are you a little nervous? Because, well, like, they- but, but you, you play them on the win streak, you feel good about it because it's like, all right. We're gonna now we they're they're due for a loss, but now aren't they? They're kind of due for like a little bit better play. Does it make you worried that they got to play the Devils next week? Or how do you feel about? I that? mean, when you go into a game like that, yeah, I, the Devils play the Red Wings tonight, the Blues tomorrow. I hope they win both of those. Then you got the Rangers on Saturday, and then the Hurricanes on Tuesday. It's like <clears throat> it's good teams and bad teams. You got to play them all, and the Devils have skated. They are. One one and one against the Hurricanes so far this season. So no, I'm not like worried about like the Devils have been good. 
and the Devils are two and one against the Rangers, like you're going to lose games to good teams. You're going to win games against good teams if you're a good team. So let's get through the Red Wings freaking tonight, though, on national TV. Jesus, <laughs> go Devils. It's a big game. It, be a good game. <clears throat> it is. The Devils aren't on national TV very often. So seeing them play against Detroit in Detroit should be a lot of fun. Um, I'm happy that their win streak is over. They did not pass the Devils' season high mark of 13 straight wins, which is something that's nice for me. That that mark might stand the test of the season. You never know, though. Um, Frank, Montreal slipping. They had a good start to the season. They got some good players. But now they are starting to become a team that could find themselves in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. They are 15, 20, and 3. They have 33 points, but they have two more games played than Arizona who's probably going to get a free win against the Hawks on Friday. Um, Obviously, them and San Jose are right there in those teams above 30 that I'll probably have anywhere from the third to sixth best chances of winning the lottery. And then you got, like, the big three at the bottom, the Blackhawks, the Ducks, and the Blue Jackets. But what do you make of Montreal season so far? They've lost nine of the last ten. That's bad. Um, I mean, I, I had them projected pretty bad this year. So the way they started out and they were performing really surprised me. And it's now now they're coming back down to what I kind of expected that they would be like. Um, I got to be honest with you, Montembeau and Allen, they are terrible. They, they, they might be the worst tandem in the league, honestly. I think Mrazek and Stalock are better. These guys are letting up. You look at the recent games. They're giving up nine burgers and seven burgers. Come on. That's their goals t- against averages aren't as low as you'd think they are either. They're not, but they're giving up so many goals per game. They have the opposite problem as the Hawks. The Hawks can't score. The freaking Canadians can't keep the puck out of their net if it was the size of a beach ball. It, it is just, it's really bad. And maybe like this is their way and like they weren't happy with Slavkovsky, so they're trying to tank for Bedard. But this is just, it's pitiful from the Montreal Canadiens. It really is. Yeah, I completely agree. Slavkovsky's got 10 points, um, four goals and six assists. I do believe Slavkovsky will – he'll have a good career. I don't think – I mean, last year's draft was supposed to be Shane Wright and everybody else. Slavkovsky would probably go fifth if the draft were redone. I think Logan Cooley would probably go one. I think the Devils would still take Nemich. Um, and then third would probably be freaking Korchinski or Shane – no, Shane Wright and then Korchinski. I honestly think like – you know, Korchinski's a little bit of a steal at seven, even though it's hard to call seventh overall pick a steal, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzuki's got 32 points, having a good year. Caulfield, 31. Caulfield leads the team with 22 goals, which is top 10 in the NHL. And Suzuki's got 15. Kirby Doc leads the team with 18 assists. So he's not scoring the points, or he's not scoring the goals as often. He's only got, what is that, five goals, which Doc is going to be a playmaking second-line center. There's nothing Absolutely. wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all, especially when it's a third overall pick that the Chicago Blackhawks decided not to develop properly and the Habs took him in and he's a big part of their team now. I do think it's going to take a minute for this Habs team to develop. If Slavkovsky figures it out over the next couple years, they got a nice group of young players coming in. They could get a Bedard or a Carlson or a Fantilli, something like that, if they get a little bit lucky or continue to slide the rest of this season. Their next game is tomorrow against the New York Rangers and then the St. Louis Blues and Seattle Kraken following that. Um, It'll be interesting to see how 
it all goes down to Montreal. But I did notice they were slipping down the standings a little bit and wanted to slightly mm-hmm. touch on it today. Frank, do you have something else to add to that? It's just it'd be remarkable if they won the draft lottery after winning it. They'd just be I'd be mad. Yeah. If a team were to have it fixed for them, it would be Arizona. But I don't really know if I believe in the lottery being fixed. I hope it's not fixed. Um, Hard to believe the Devils getting the number one pick with the Rangers getting the number two pick would be a fix. You'd (laughs) think it'd be the way when they want Jack Hughes in New York. I like I just that that kind of persuades me away from the whole thing. But Montreal winning the lottery in Montreal was a little strange. But you know, sometimes is that where the draft is this year? Arizona? No. Oh, I Arizona's Gary Bettman's baby. Where's uh, the draft this year? I want to say is it Nashville or no? I was thinking Vate. Oh yes, it's Nashville. Okay, you are correct. It is Nashville. It is 100% at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Frank, what is your favorite hockey story of the week? We mentioned it. There was really nothing else this week that kind of, you know, made me go like, wow, or just have an opinion. But my favorite hockey story this week is that the 2024 Winter Classic is going to be between Seattle and Vegas because I love both these franchises. It is happening at T-Mobile Park where I I want to visit one day. This is like a perfect opportunity. I want to go to this game. And if I was like, if you were to ask me, create a Mount Rushmore, I th- I'm pretty sure you asked me this before when Joey was on the podcast, is if I could create a Mount Rushmore of like games or winter classics at a venue, it would be, this would be one of them, I think. Vegas and Seattle at T-Mobile Park. I mean, come on. I mean, I'd love to see one in Vegas too, but how do you have a winter classic in Vegas? That's like near impossible. And Little Caesars parking lot. Yeah. They've done it. No, I'm not being funny. A winter classic in Vegas. Yeah. They've done it before? Not a winter classic, but an outdoor hockey game. Well, they did Lake Tahoe. Lake Tahoe, yeah. But I'm talking an outdoor game that people can attend. Little Caesars. Or not. Caesars Palace. I was going to say, you're confused. Caesars Palace. I don't. I don't remember this. You wouldn't, but also there's the Vegas Raiders, and it would probably be there. So yeah, that would be up there too. That'd be on my Mount Rushmore to have a game in Vegas at the Winter Classic. I'm really excited for this game. It's going to be a very cool game. They're going to Emerald City, so it'll it'll be really really interesting game. Absolutely, I'm excited for it as well. My favorite hockey story was something I wanted to lead into a little bit of a discussion. The 2022-23 World Junior Championships. Hey! Today, I I don't even know. Is it going on right now? Um, No, USA and Canada. USA and Canada is tonight. That's tonight. But right now, you have the other quarterfinal game between Sweden, who got there in their 3-2 victory over the... Uh, Finnish team. So they're going. And then, to the yes, Cup? Sweden. Sweden is playing Czech right now. Oh, who's it is winning? one nothing Sweden. So winner goes to the gold medal game. Winner goes to the gold medal game that will be played against the winner of Team USA and Team Canada. Very, very, very exciting stuff right there. Um, what's your takeaway from this whole tournament? 
besides how much you want Connor Bedard to play for your favorite team? <laughs> uh, it's been interesting. It's actually been a lot of fun. We've been keeping track of it, me and you. We've talked about it. Oh, yeah. I'm huge um, into the World Juniors every year. Do you think if USA beats Canada, does USA win gold? I do believe the winner of this game will win gold, yes. Okay. I know. It's been fun to watch, though. I've been enjoying it a lot. Yes, absolutely. Um, I think Sweden's very good. I think Sweden could beat the U.S. Um, I think if Sweden plays Canada, Canada will dummy them. <laughs> um, I think the USA and Sweden are probably – but USA will come to play against Canada, and Canada has played down to competition at times. Um, they barely got packed the Slovakian team, mm-hmm. and my guy Devil's number he's, uh, number one or number two prospect, him and Luke Hughes are kind of – you know, one, one, a one B, um, Slovakia, Nemich made, <laughs> excuse me, a little bit of a cough, made some good plays. Um, Slovakia was in the game. Canada ended up winning it on a sick goal by Connor Bedard, his second point of the second goal of the game, third point of the game. Um, he's just been, he's been so much better than everybody else in this tournament. He broke Eberle's tournament record for point or goals. He's break breaking some of these records for points and single tournaments and multiple tournaments. He was on team Canada last year. He was the youngest player in the whole tournament. And now he, he was still an impact player last year. Um, Skokes points out that Fantilli has been a bit invisible so far. Listen, Fantilli, Fantilli's one of the youngest players on the team. Okay. He's one of the draft eligible players that are playing in the world juniors. Most players have already been drafted and yep. are a little bit advanced. Um, so I'm not really surprised Fantilli has been the way he is. Um, I still think he's going to be the number two overall pick. I saw him yeah, score. Yeah, he, I think he will. He scored a goal from the goal line at the game I was at for Michigan. Like he, he's got supreme skill and it's not the Fantilli show right now. Okay, Gunther has been playing with um, what's his name, Bedard, and they got good defensemen. Um, Canada, Canada's an interesting team this year. They got a lot of skill, but it, it's been the Connor Bedard show. It really, really has. He's got like ten more points than the second leading doesn't, scorer. Doesn't he have eight goals and thirteen assists in five games or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Got a couple hat tricks, couple two goal games. I mean, whenever he basically gets a chance, he's he's scored. And I'm interested to see how the USA handles him today. I don't think they're going to be able to, and I don't think they're going to be able to outscore him. Uh, I got Canada winning the game, but I, I want to be wrong. I'm American. I'll root for you know the other Devils' top prospect, Luke Hughes, is Team USA's captain. So mm-hmm. I have multiple reasons to be in on USA this tournament but man it's been so much fun and i i love the world juniors so so much connor bedard in the grand scheme of things is he's given me crosby mcdavid vibes right like could be a top five player in the nhl within two years type of thing like austin matthews same thing he shoots it like matthews kind of and he sees the ice like a kind of like a jack hughes where he's just like so nimble and all over the place he's not as fast is McDavid and he's nowhere near as big. So even if he ends up being Patrick Kane kind of, but I don't think he's as like shifty as Patrick Kane is, you know, I think he's more like it's all about his vision and the way, but I'm talking like in terms of his overall production, like multiple hundred point seasons, that'd probably be a disappointment for some people if he had Patrick Kane's career points wise. But 
I don't know. I just I think very highly of Bedard. I'm not worried at all about his size. To me, that's a meatball ass take. You know, like look at Johnny Goudreau, look at Jack Hughes, look at Patrick Kane. You know, Crosby's five best player ever. He's under six feet. Like, don't give me this crap about size. Yeah, does he got to probably put on some man muscle? Is he going to be as dominant in year one in the NHL with a teenage body? Probably not. Maybe not. But also maybe Jack Hughes needed to grow into himself a little bit. But he's already better than Hughes. I think he he would be like most teams' leading scorer next year. Wow, you're very high up on Bedard. I am. Oh too. yeah, I'm. I am. I am too. I, I think he's. Uh, I'd be shocked if he was a bust. I was high on Bedard before the tournament, and then I've watched these five games. <laughs> like he's been. I don't. I haven't watched many Regina Pats games in my. I've watched one or two in my life, but Connor Bedard was because they play them on the NHL Network every now and then. I've pretty much seen you know all the big junior teams play at least one game. I think the Pats were in the Memorial Cup one year I watched, but you know not since Bedard has been on their team. So this was my first real chance to watch him from the beginning to end of a game. And he's even better than I thought. <laughs> so every team should be trying to lose every game. Trade Patrick Kane, trade freaking Domi, Andreas Athanasiu, have fun in LA. Like whatever, whatever it is you got to do to be the worst team in the NHL, you got to. They just need to keep it. the roster to be the worst team in the NHL. Basically, basically. <laughs> but get more assets, put stuff around him, win a cup or two. I'm being dead serious. I think that highly of Connor Bedard. I don't think he's McDavid because of the speed. Like McDavid is everything Connor Bedard is, but he's a little bit bigger. He's a center and he's way faster. Like that, that McDavid is the ultimate NHL unicorn. That that's the difference for me. But um, he could be like the second best player, third best player, like Matthews, Ovechkin, Crosby, uh, Hughes, Kachuk. All these guys who are elite, he's going to be right there in short order. So. Um, especially if he's drafted by some of these teams that don't really have like the Blackhawks still do have Patrick Kane. I don't think they will next year. Um, he would be like their all-star right away. I think, right? Like if every team's sending one guy, if he goes, he goes to Arizona, who's making the all-star team over him. If he goes to San Jose and they already have traded Timo Meyer and maybe Eric Carlson, but he's a defenseman. I don't know. It's going to be so interesting to see the evolution of Connor Bedard here coming up, but that's my favorite hockey story of the week the world juniors like usa versus canada in a little bit here Sweden That's gonna be a good game. i can't wait for that game i'm gonna yeah. watch it absolutely absolutely so frank i think with that you know hockey's good it's in a good spot i hope everybody enjoyed our conversation about it we are going to move on in period number three welcome to period three frank let's talk about some foosball okay we we already we already gave our uh, our little soliloquy on Demar Hamlin. We hope everything goes according to plan with him, and he's able to get out and recovered and whatnot. So, um, football is irrelevant compared to that. But we, you know, it is going to go on. They are going to have week eighteen. They flexed the you know a couple games in a certain situation. So I want to know how you think things are going to shake out in certain situations. We'll start with the Lions and the Packers. It has been flexed to Sunday night football. As it's that's a good Sunday night game, and uh, here's the thing I think it's going to be a good game. I think the Packers are going to come out victorious, however, I'm pretty sure if the Seahawks win, the Lions can't get in, which makes them not want to try as hard. 
unless they really just want to screw Green Bay, yeah, which, which they would, be, which they could. I do think the Packers are going to come out in a big game. They've been hot. They were four and eight, and they haven't lost since. They are hot right now. I think they're going to dismantle this Lions team. I really do. I really do. I think they're going to get in the postseason. It's going to be another season of Aaron Rodgers getting to the postseason. And then when you're in, you know, you don't know. So I, I think the Packers are going to come out victorious in that game. Packers are dangerous. The Packers are freaking dangerous. If they went to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised. Eh, I'd be a little surprised. Uh, they, if they beat Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins, like Tom. We'll see. Gardner, Gardner Minshew, uh, Jalen Hurts will probably play. He's gonna play. So like the Eagles are the threat, obviously. 49ers well, are they a threat. go, I the 49ers are a Brock threat. Purdy, I think they're a threat. I no, you know how high I am on San Francisco. I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. I do, but if Green Bay gets in and somehow got revenge on San Francisco, he knows how to win. Who? Aaron Rodgers. I he know. Just knows, he finds ways to win. He just knows how to win. I know. And now Christian Watson's a star. You know they're getting some better production from Dylan and. Um, the other running back, I'm drawing a blank. Jones. No. Jones. Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron He's, Jones. Dylan's been pretty good. Dylan's been really good. They're like a, one of the best combos in the hey, NFL. I'm kind of leaning that Dylan may be better. I don't it's know. arguable. I mean, I would, I would argue maybe. They're both so good. Neither of them can be your know. fantasy number one because they're both so good. You yeah, know, you would never has, both have them on the same team. Yeah. So yeah. like, I'd be wary to draft either of them going forward just because they're taking it's carries tough. away from each other. It's kind of the same as Pollard and Elliott on Dallas. Yes. Yes. Very similar. Yes. Pollard's good. And when Pollard's, Pollard's healthy, and when Pollard's healthy, they use him more than Elliott. Yes, because he's but, better. But when Pollard's injured and can't play, Elliott just he has the load. He he knows what to do. But yeah, yeah. I agree. Pollard is Pollard is better. Um I hope the Seahawks lose so that the winner of this game is in. It would make it more interesting. Who are the Seahawks playing this week? The Seahawks are playing. Can't Do remember. you know offhand? Now, let me. I got it right here. If. Hold on. I forgot to look at scores before I do the standings portion. Um, the Seahawks are playing the Rams, who stink. They might win. But you never know. Really if they win. if they win, they're not in though, right? The Packers have the tiebreaker. I don't know how the Seahawks get in. I thought they were still in the hunt. I could be wrong though. Well, the Seahawks hold the final wild card spot, but them, the Lions, and the um, Packers are all eight and eight. So that must mean the Packers would probably have the tiebreaker, which is probably division record. If they lose or if they win and then they'll have the head to head over the lions. Yeah. So if the Seahawks lose, it's a play in. If the Seahawks win, then the Seahawks need the lions to win for them to get into the playoffs. So, and the lions need to win and have the Seahawks lose. Yes. Go Rams. That would be interesting. It would make it better. It, it would make, make it a better play. football. A good way to end week 18, a Sunday night football, winning you're in. Got similar vibes to last year. Absolutely. 
and it's the way it's going down in the AFC is kind of similar with the final wild cards. So the Jaguars, the Titans can only make the playoffs as the division winner, but the Jaguars can lose and still make it. But how do they get in? I believe the Jaguars will make it if the Patriots lose, no matter what. Wow. Who are the Pats playing? The Patriots are playing. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots are playing the Buffalo Bills. I don't know if the <laughs> that's uh I think the Bills would win that game because no, they're gonna try. Yeah, they have to. I think the Jags might be they might be set. The Jaguars you... might be they might be in then because if if they are in, if the Patriots lose, I think the Patriots are gonna lose. Oh, I, I think that's how it's going. Otherwise, why wouldn't Patriots have just clinched? If that wasn't the case, because they don't have the star next to their name or the X. They probably have to win to be in, though. Yeah, because if they're both eight and nine, I bet Jacksonville has the tiebreaker. Hmm. Yeah. I bet that's the case. I hope the Jaguars beat the Titans. I have a that's going to be a good game. I think they will. I I hope. I do. I hope. But, you know, you never know with Derrick Henry in a big game. They rested him this past week. This past week meant nothing. I know. For the Titans. And really, it meant nothing for the Jaguars as well. It all comes down to this week for them. So the Titans took extra precaution by resting their players. And that could benefit them in a big way. It sure can. And we'll see if it happens. We'll see what happens with that. The Jaguars didn't rest Trevor Lawrence. So... Advantage them. They got a second bye week. Yeah. We'll see how it works out for them, though. I, I hope the Jaguars pull it through. I'm going to say and go ahead and predict that they will. But we'll see what happens on Sunday. Couldn't agree Is there more. there a Monday night game? There's no Monday night game. It's just all Sunday, right? I believe so. I think that's it. Yeah, all Sunday. Yeah, and Saturday. Well, yeah, the triple. Oh, no, two two games. Two games, three thirty and seven fifteen. We'll probably be watching that seven fifteen game together, for sure. I will. Yeah, we will be together Saturday. Um, what? A, so we t- touched on the Titans versus the Jaguars. I believe the Jaguars will win as well. Hopefully. Um, then you got the one seeds. The AFC one seeds a little hard to talk about because the game that Tamar Hamlin went down had huge implications for it. Obviously irrelevant when it comes to human life, but how do you see this whole thing shaking out? I think the Chiefs will have the number one seed because if they beat the if they beat the Raiders, they have the number one seed. I'm pretty sure. It wouldn't yeah. matter the outcome of the Buffalo Bengals game. It wouldn't matter the outcome of the Bengals Patriots game. I'm pretty sure as long as the Chiefs win, they have the number one seed. And it's very hard for me to see a world where Mahomes doesn't come out and play his best football in a must-win game for the number one seed against a Derek Carless Raiders team. Sure, the kid looked great last week. Almost won the game for the Raiders. But against a good 49ers defense and team, but I think he's due for some really big regression here. And just I think the Chiefs are going to come out big. They're going to come out swinging, and they're going to take the number one seed in the AFC. I agree. 
Um, I, I just think Mahomes, if they win it, and then we'll see how they end up scoring the Bengals versus Bills game that was canceled. Um, probably just take winning percentage if the Chiefs win for probably. who has the second seed and the third seed. I mean, but, they also could just give the, like, each team a tie. Yeah, that's true. Which is and then, and then it's the same thing, your same winning percentage. But yeah, exactly. We'll see how they end up scoring that. It's going to be interesting. But Frank, over the weekend on Saturday, we had two instant classics for the college football playoff. Obviously, Michigan had a very close. They were down big to TCU, but then they made it a game. They made it interesting. Yeah, Skyler said if that's the case, NFL is definitely hoping for that so they can scrap the record of the Bengals-Bills game. Yeah, I agree. Um, Michigan tried to make it a game late. It became a game that they had a chance to win, but they ultimately didn't. And then a couple hours later, Ohio State University played against Georgia, and Georgia was down. They made a comeback. They got a lead, and then with the chance to kick a game-winning field goal, Ohio State blew it. Or no, Georgia. Georgia, they made it right. They, yeah. Georgia took the lead off a late field goal. There was a missed field goal that was important somewhere, though. I don't remember. I just remember. I thought thought Ohio State missed a big field goal to win the game. Well, I know they got the ball. I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding, and then I watched highlights after and lost my mind over how awesome it is. Those were good games. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that Michigan lost. To be honest, yeah, because it's the best semifinals we've had so far. I agree. It was. It was very. It was very intriguing. And I told you, I had a feeling if there was a team that could beat Georgia, it was Ohio State, and Ohio State pushed them to their brink. Yep. But now, I think Georgia wins by at least two scores against TCU. I agree. I think they're going to blow the brakes off TCU. TCU is not playing a defense like Georgia, who've only given up twelve point eight points per game. Their offense is better than Michigan. Uh, they're just in for a rude awakening, I think. I agree. We both agree. I, I hope it's at least somewhat compelling at halftime, right? Like, I just – Georgia's going to win the chip for the back second year in a row. Yep. Back to back. After not winning one when they probably should have a couple years ago, and they chose Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, that was a mistake. Has any team won in back-to-back? Alabama. I don't – yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I don't remember. Yeah, Alabama's got a couple back-to-backs. I think a Clemson back-to-back is in there, Has anybody too. won three in a row? All-time? All-time, I think, yes. Three in a row? All-time? Yeah. All-time? They haven't been doing it that long. College football playoff? Oh. Yeah, no. For sure not. That's what I mean. Has anybody won three in a, a row? College football playoff's not even 10 years old. Well, that's what I'm saying. Has anybody won yeah, no. three in a row? No. For sure not. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know Stetson Bennett's status. Is he a senior? Is he is he uh, coming back next year to Georgia? He's like a super senior. Oh, so maybe they won't be that good. Stetson Bennett is older than Ronald Acuna Jr. Is he really? Yeah. <laughs> Did he get the extra year because of COVID? I don't know exactly what his status has to do with, but yeah, he's like a but super But he didn't declare senior. for the draft. He's probably not going to get drafted he's not really i don't know he might he's not like bryce young or you know cj stroud or anything like that 
Yeah, I don't know if an NFL team is going to bring him in. They, I mean, I'm sure he'll get an invite to camp. That'll be interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be a good – I hope it's a good game. At least it'll be fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. Whenever there's a situation where, like, all the sports fans in the world are watching the same game, I yeah. think that's always, like, super-duper fun. So And it, that's what will happen. And we're going to watch it together, right? We sure are. Um, I thought of a hack to get timeout wings delivered here. Let's hear it. I'm going to have them delivered to your house ahead of time, and then you're going to bring them. I would. <laughs> you would. The door would be locked if you refused. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That is funny. So, Frank, like that's football. We got a huge week of football ahead. Very excited for this weekend. And now I think it's time to tell the people how you're going to use football and hockey and everything in between to give them a little lesson on some gambling in this weekend's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Where's my money, mother... Frank, the floor is yours. Well, next week, I'm going to have a nice graphic on the screen for you. We're going to start keeping track of the record throughout 2023. And uh, I've already been working on that. I've created the graphic, so it'll it'll be very interesting. I can't wait to share it with you guys. Um, But for right now, let's get down to business, VP. The Tampa Bay Lightning are playing the Wild on a second of a back-to-back. Vasilevsky will be in net tonight. Elliot was in last night. I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to take the Wild under three goals at minus 115. Vasilevsky has only given up three goals twice in his last 10 games. He's never given up four. So, that being said, taking the Wild under three goals, you got a little bit of a a safety net to where if the wild does get three, you'll get your money back and you'll get a push. But if if Vasilevsky stands on his head, like we all know he can, you're going to win the bet. And I don't see the wild scoring four goals in this game. I really don't. I think that this line, the reason it's three is so high is a reflection of how bad he played last game against the Arizona coyotes when he gave up three, but the lightning won. I think since he gave up three against the coyotes, he's due for another, you know, shut down game. Cause I'm pretty sure he's never given up three back to back this year. And I just think he's, he's ready to take that team against the Arizona coyote, Arizona coyotes that they might've slept on a little bit and really shut the door against this Minnesota wild team. So wild under three goals, minus minus one fifteen. Second game, the thunder are visiting the Orlando magic. The thunder had a great Great game last night. They scored 150 points against the Boston Celtics. They dismantled one of the best teams in the NBA. And now they go to Orlando where they're two-point dogs. I think this is a big, big letdown spot for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think the Magic are going to win this game. I like Magic Moneyline at minus 127. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is questionable. He was uh, day-to-day ruled for the game. I don't know what his status is for the game, but if he doesn't play, for sure, Orlando Magic 
But, I mean, take it right now while you can. Because if he doesn't play, you're going to lose out on some value there. The line's going to shoot up even more in favor of the Magic. So I, I like the Magic money line, minus 127. I think that's very good value. Especially the Thunder are just due for a big letdown after that shocking defeat that the Celtics took last night. So, um, yeah, that's uh, your pick number two for the NBA. Finally, Fordham is is uh, facing off against Rhode Island in college basketball. Rhode Island has had a tough time this season. Kind of feel bad for them because they're a very talented roster. Fordham, they got a, an, a you know an exaggerated record of twelve and two. They were exploited by a talented Davidson team. When you play a good team, I don't care if you're twelve and 0, 12 and one. When you play a good team, it's going to show when you're not that good. And Davidson beat them by like 14. And I think, you know, the same is in store for Rhode Island. Rhode Island's a very light favorite. They're minus 136. I, th- I think this roster for Rhode Island is very talented. They just had unlucky with the schedule makers. I like Rhode Island. Moneyline, minus 136. So those are my three picks for you. Um, hopefully we can kick off 2023 with a bang. And uh, we'll have an update next week as to how we did. Yeah, so this is going to be the first one that we're keeping track of now? Yeah. Very good. That's a little change to our show that I'm excited that, you know, we're going to be doing here, keeping Frankie accountable. And then, you know, maybe I'll jump in going forward with a couple bets. And I'll, I'll join in on the Breaking Bets um, segment going forward and start keeping track of myself as well. Um, sounds like fun. I like this. Um, Frank, is there anything else you have to share with our folks today as we head off into a pretty big sports weekend big sports weekend a big weekend overall i mean i'm gonna see you a ton um it should be interesting if there's ever a time to get into college football watch the national championship i know i mean if you the end of the season you're gonna watch it you're gonna want more like all of us i i already want more and it's not over yet um but you'll watch the national championship you'll want more it's to me it could be a little boring if it, if what I, in my head I think is going to happen, if Georgia's really going to blow the brakes off them. But it, it's going to be entertaining either way. We're going to have a good time watching it together. It's great football. Great NFL season or week to end the season. I mean, we got some good games. I can't wait for the Titans-Jaguars. I can't wait for Sunday night football. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just want everybody to enjoy sports. You know, the summer months are coming. There's not going to be as many sports. We're going to be into the baseball MLB slash Big Brother season of the year. So enjoy the sports while you can because they're all they're all coming to an end sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I hope everybody enjoyed our show. I hope everybody enjoys this big weekend coming up. I know a lot of people are kind of back to reality this week with the holidays being over, but now we got plenty of other things to look forward to, right? Like you got the college football national yep. championship. You got the playoff races in the NBA and the NHL uh, MLB hot stove is pretty much done, but we're going to see teams starting to fill Pitchers out Pitchers report to spring training next month. Yep. Five weeks. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, baseball will get underway sooner than you could possibly imagine. The summer will be here before you know it. We'll be here throughout all of it. The big old Super Bowl's coming up soon. We got the NFL playoffs. Looking forward to that. Crosstown Crosstalk. We'll go over tomorrow what's kind of going on in the MLB as of late. The White Sox made Andrew Benatendi official. Dansby Swanson's coming to town. So we got a lot of things going on with baseball. 
and what's going on in the league right now. I hope everybody enjoyed our show. That's our show. Make sure you follow all of the great shows here at the Barroom Network. The Chicago Bears season comes to an end with a big Minnesota Vikings matchup on Sunday. You could go to DeWindyCity.com to read about how Justin Fields is not playing in the game this weekend, and you could read all of my hockey work at PuckPros.com, DeWindyCity.com, and PucksAndPitchforks.com, all the Chicago White Sox stuff I do at SouthsideShowdown.com, and the rest of the Chicago teams over there at TheWindyCity.com. And then, of course, Frankie Mueller's awesome work at AppTrigger.com, doing all the covering of video games and what's going on in the video game world right now. I know 2023 is going to be a huge year in the video game industry, and there is nobody better to follow than Frankie Mueller and his colleagues at AppTrigger.com. Help make that site the greatest video game website on the Internet because it deserves to be. Skokes, we give you one of these right back. Thank you so much for watching, as always. To everybody in the chat, Skokes, Tom, Skyler, we appreciate you all very much. Again, make sure you watch all the Barroom Network shows. Got a lot coming up this weekend. So excited to have each and every one of you be a part of it. For Frankie Mueller at The King Bean on Twitter, my name is Vinny Parisi at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. As always, Happy New Year to you, and thank you for listening. Thank you.